Father in heaven, we thank you that you are great. You are awesome and you're worthy to be praised. Lord, we love you. That's the only way we can respond to so great a salvation, to your goodness, to your kindness, to your mercy, to your love that you've shown us. Thank you, Lord. Help us to leave here today loving you more. Help us to leave here today loving you. You, Lord Jesus, your person, who you are. Help us to give you thanks and love you more each and every day. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, Father. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. You may be seated. You guys doing well this morning? Good. It is great to see you guys. It's great to be in fellowship. It's great to be in the house of God or in the shopping center of God. How about that? <laughs> you know, thankfully, uh, the church is not a building. You are the church. We are the church. The people of God are the church. We are, we are the living, breathing presence of the, the body of Christ in the earth. So we, we praise the Lord for that. So please turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. We're only going to look at five verses this morning. And uh, we're gonna, I'm going to be talking to you about being an overcomer. Being an overcomer. So hopefully you've turned in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. Let's read the first five verses, and then we're going to study those same five verses. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 through 5 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And then you're going to hear in these next few verses where I got my sermon title from. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Question mark. The title of my message this morning is The Overcomer. The Overcomer. An overcomer is someone who faces obstacles and overcomes them. What obstacles have you faced in life? What obstacles have you faced in life? Have you ever been scared? You ever been really, really scared? What did you do when you were scared? Think about your situation. What were you do in a moment where you were really scared? You maybe you felt out of control. What did you do to overcome the situation? About three weeks ago, me and Emily were sitting up in the deer stand. We were hunting. She was on one side of the soybean field. I was on the other side of the soybean field. We were talking by text. We had the phones on vibrate. You know, that's what we do. We sit in our deer stands, and we text each other back and forth and say, what did you see? What did you see? What did you see? And so anyway, I had some does and some fawns came out, and I just watched them. I didn't shoot at them or nothing. I just enjoyed the scenery and just was amazed at their beauty. On the other side, Emily had two does and a fawn come out and we weren't shooting the does and the fawns you know we were looking for the big buck that's what we we're looking for but anyway they came out and uh the little fawn was so beautiful little tiny fawn about this high she sent me a picture of it by text <clears throat> and then all of a sudden out of the corner of her eye she sees a coyote coming with its fangs hanging out you know and most coyotes are ravenous and they they kill the fawns and emily said not on my watch. About two minutes later, 
that coyote dropped with her 243 uh, rifle. And we, we took the coyote out to save the fawn. And then about an hour and a half later, we saw, bunch, we saw lots of deer, but we didn't, we didn't take no shots at the uh, does. And uh, I shot at a buck, but I missed him, but oh well. But anyway, so 10 minutes to 8, it's getting dark. She texts me. She says, Dad, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm like, okay, scan your lane one more time. Make sure you don't see anything and uh, start heading back towards the truck. And so this is what happens with Emily. Uh, Emily gets out of her deer stand and starts making her way back, okay? And then all of a sudden, directly in front of her, a buck steps out of the brush and is facing her. Now, most of the time when you see a deer, they'll do one or two things. They'll run because they're scared of you or they'll challenge you and they'll stand their ground. Well, guess what this buck did? He stood his ground. So Emily goes to, um, to, she sees the buck, she's scared, she's frightened, she's scared in the moment. She goes to step forward, and when she goes to step forward, she steps on a snake. So here, here's Emily. At 6 o'clock, she's got a dead coyote. Directly in front of her, she's got a buck, and at her feet, she's got a snake. She was in a panic. She was scared. She went into survival mode. Okay, I don't know how she did it, but she told me, you know, she stepped away, ran away, got away. The snake took off. She shot at the buck, missed the buck, got the coyote behind her. And um, all, all of a sudden, all I hear is, uh, I hear the gunshot. I start moving that way. And all I hear is this, get me out of here. I am scared. <laughs> and uh, so, but she was in a situation where she was scared like we are in life. And she overcame the situation. It was behind her, it was in front of her, and it was at her feet. She was scared, and she overcame. And I'm trying to talk her back into going again, but it's kind of difficult. But how do we overcome our obstacles in life? How do we overcome our obstacles in life? How do we overcome them when we are scared? We, an, an overcomer, the word overcome means, the Greek word is nakio. It means to conquer, to prevail, to come out victorious. The noun for Nikeo is Nikei, uh, the Greek word Nikei, which we get our English word Nike. Yes, that is where the English word Nike comes from. It comes from the Greek word for overcome, which is Nikei. So what is the Christian? How about the Christian? What, what, for the Christian, what is there to overcome in this world? What is there to overcome? Three things. Three things for the believer. One, the ungodly world that surrounds us. The ungodly world wants to drag you down. They want to pull you away from God. That's what the ungodly world wants to do. They want to drag you away from pure and complete devotion to Christ. Number two, sin. Sin. Temptation surrounds us. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, it's a fight we all face. We see it on social media. We see it on billboards. We see it at our work. We see it everywhere we go, and you are in a war with sin. And we got to learn how to overcome these things. We got to learn how to overcome the temptations of the world. We got to learn how to overcome sin. And ultimately, our arch enemy, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Satan is like a roaring lion going around seeking whom he may devour. Satan and his minions want to tear us down. They want to bring us down, but our job as Christians, and you can do it. I repeat, you can do it. You can overcome. You can overcome this ungodly world. 
You can't overcome sin. You can't overcome the wily attacks of Satan. We can't do it. That's what John is saying here. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 in 1 John chapter 5. He says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. If victory was not possible, if overcoming was not possible, the Bible would say it's not possible. But the scripture is very clear. We can overcome. So I want to fashion this teaching this morning from based on 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. I want it to revolve around four words. And those four words are faith, love, obedience, and truth. So as I teach through these four, five verses, it's going to center on these four words. And these are the tools that God has given you to overcome the ungodly world, the, the, the temptation to sin, and, and the wily attacks of Satan. This is what he's given us, these four words. I'm going I'm to talk about each one of these words in, in each of the first four verses. So without further ado, Calvary Chapel style, verse by verse, let's look at verse 1. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. I want to stop right there because we see our first element of overcoming. The first element of overcoming is this. You've got to have faith in Jesus. There is no overcoming apart from Christ, okay? Apart from his Holy Spirit, apart from the power of God operating in your life, you cannot make it because you don't have the ability to make it. But guess who does? The Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, through faith in Christ Jesus, our faith in the Lord, his spirit dwelling inside of us. So we must have faith. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. What, what is it that we must believe about Jesus? Is it good enough to say, I believe the Bible? That's not good enough. The text says you've got to believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And what is it that we, be, we, we believe about Jesus? Look at verse 1. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Newsflash. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Okay? His, his first and middle last name is not the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are descriptive words that God has given him through the word to describe who Jesus is. And John is saying here in verse 1 that you must believe that Jesus is is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. What does that word Christ mean? What's the definition of the word Christ? It means the anointed one. Well, what's a good definition of the anointed one? Thankfully, Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 4, he's given us a definition of what Christ means, of what the anointed one means. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, Jesus is in the synagogue, and, he's, and he's, he goes in there to preach, and he describes what the anointed one is, talking about himself. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. There it is. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He is sent to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the the favorable year of the Lord. So that is what the anointed one is. 
What, is, what does he say is the anointed one? He says he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus, not only did he preach the gospel, he is the gospel. He is the gospel. This is the gospel that Jesus Christ the preaching of the gospel, the good news that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from our grave, that he's from God, he's the anointed one to do these things is what it means to have faith, to understand his complete mission, to understand his complete mission. And then it says, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. See, you and I come into this world captive to sin. And the Jesus that we believe in, the New Testament teaches, is a Jesus that sets the captives free. Okay? He sets the captives free. He breaks the chains. We first receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we enter into sanctification. We enter into discipleship. We enter into growing. We enter into accountability. And through these things, he grows us and he releases us from the bondages of sin through discipleship. When a person comes first, when a person first comes to Christ, they don't have it all together. I didn't have it all together, you didn't have it all together. But once we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He begins the process of putting us back together. He begins the process of putting us back together and setting us free. And then it says the, talking about Jesus, the Christ, the Christ, the anointed one, that's the phrase we're looking at. He says in uh, Luke chapter 4, recovery of sight to the blind. You know, the Jesus we believe in, he heals. He saves, he delivers, he heals. He heals people's physical body. He heals their heart. He heals their mind. He heals everything about us when we submit our lives and surrender to him. Then he says to set those free who are oppressed. You know, um, when I think about that word oppressed, I think about the word oppression. And one of the things that's really big in our culture today is people are struggling mentally. People are struggling mentally. And if you're here this morning and you're struggling mentally, man, my heart goes out to you. We are here to help you. But let me tell you something. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And he can restore our minds. He can remove the oppression and he can give us life and life more abundantly this is the jesus that we believe in For, going back to verse one whoever believes that jesus is the christ that we believe that he is the christ that he's the anointed one that he does those things he talks about in luke chapter four is born of god then that phrase born of god is a reference to um john chapter three when jesus told nicodemus you must be born again See, when you invite Christ into your life, you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you become born again. You were born once in this world physically by your mother. That was a physical birth, but all men need a spiritual birth, being born again. And sometimes that people misunder, misunderstand that phrase, but being born again simply means the Holy Spirit comes into your life. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and he rebirths you on the inside. He gives you a new spiritual life that was previously dead before you came to Christ. Let's continue halfway through verse 1 and end of verse 2. We'll see our second element. The, second, the first element was faith in Christ is the first um, element of overcoming. Let's look at the second one. Half of verse 1 and all of verse 2. It says, And whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. 
Element number two I present to you this morning in overcoming this world and sin and Satan is a love for the body of Christ. A love for the church. A love for the people of God. You need what takes place in this building. You need what takes place when the saints and Christians gather in this church. You need what the Christians have to offer when they gather together in fellowship. That is, you need fellowship and you need love. And love for the body makes us strong. Love for the body of Christ, love for the people of God, love for being with the people of God in Bible study and fellowship and in meals and in home groups is so critically important for your spiritual growth. You need it. You need it, family. And to everyone, young and old, if you choose to separate yourself from fellowship, you are in a dangerous territory. The ungodly world will peck away at you. They'll peck away at your faith until the next thing you know, you are no longer walking with Christ. That's why the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 10, not to give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. We need encouragement. And we, and because of that, what, because of what the body Christians have to offer us, it causes us in our endeavor to overcome to love Christians, to love being around Randall and Marie, to love being around Bud and Kate, to love being around all of you guys because it encourages us. But how do we love each other? Look at verse two. Look at verse two. How do we love each other? This is very interesting because when you first read this verse, you're like, I don't understand that. You may even think that doesn't make sense. Look at verse two. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. What is John saying here, specifically in verse two, this phrase, we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. What he is saying here is this, you love God's children, the body of Christ, we love each other by what? Loving God, by obeying God. Now, you may be thinking, I don't understand that. How can... How can me loving God be loved towards Randall? Or, or how can, how, how, how does that work? How is loving and, and obeying God, in fact, loving to God's children? How, how is that? Most of the time when, you, when I say, hey, Rick, I love you. You know, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do things for you. I'm, I'm going to do things that are directed towards you. But this text is saying, no, when I love and obey God, that's how I'm, I'm loving you. The answer is this. Here's the answer to that question. Um, how is loving and obeying God, in fact, loving to all of God's children? Answer, all, here it is. All of God's commands guard us from harmful and sinful actions towards each other. Think about it. When you, fought, when you as a Christian, when you follow your sinful passions, not only are you sinning against God, but you are hurting those around you. Do you know that? You know, when you sin against God, it, 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 is, it, it is damaging to your relationship with Christ, of course. You know, it's, 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 it's creating a wedge, but it's also affecting your relationship with other people. 
want to read to you Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23 to, to show this point. And I want you to think about these. These are, the, these are the fruit of the Spirit versus the works of the flesh. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. When we live, as when a Christian lives in immorality, impurity, or sensuality, not only are they damaging their relationship with Christ, but they're damaging their relationship with their spouse, and they're damaging their relationship with those around us. I believe this is what John is saying when we go back to verse 2, when we love the children of God, when we love and observe his commandments. Continuing verse 20, uh, idolatry and sorcery. When we dive into idolatry and sorcery, we are impacting those around us. We are telling those people around us that that's okay. When the scripture says it's not okay, that is not very loving. That is not very loving. Enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing. Do you see how the believer living in the flesh can hurt those around him? When we live this way, when, you, when, some, when, when someone lives this way, newsflash, we don't want to be around them. We don't want to be around them because they're impacting those around them. Uh, and the things which I forewarned you, just I forewarned you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But on the other hand, if we operate in the fruit of the Spirit, not only is it being led by the Spirit and being yielded to the Spirit, but these attributes, these things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, it shows our love for the people around us, which in verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, and this is, who we, this is what we want to be, man. This is what it comes down to. This is the kind of people we want to be, and being this way causes us to love those, we'll, we'll be loving to others around us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, when we obey God, the ultimate way that I can love you guys is obey the Lord in teaching and fruits of the Spirit and not walking in the carnal flesh. So, according to verse 2, okay, according to verse 2 in John chapter 5, the Christian who lives in willful defiance and rebellion to God's law is not truly loving to their brothers and sisters. Again, according to verse 2, Christians who live in willful defiance and rebellion to God's law do not truly love their brothers and sisters. Why? Because you're telling them by your lifestyle it's okay to live in sin. The application for us today, ladies, if you, if you, if you truly want to love your husband, if you truly want to love your husband, how do you do it? Love and obey God. Husbands, if you truly want to love your wives, if you truly love her and, and you want to love her in, in a real sense, love and obey God. You want to be a true friend to those around you in the workplace, at home, and in your neighborhood? What's the best way? Love and obey God. That's what John is saying in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. Let's continue. Verse 3. Verse 3. So number one was, was we overcome by faith in Christ. Number two, uh, principle of overcoming is we love the body. I love you guys. I hope you love me. 
we love each other and we care deeply for each other. We look after one another as a family. Verse 3, let's continue verse 3. First John chapter 5, verse 3. He says, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are what? Not burdensome. Third, third element I'm pulling out of the text right here in overcoming. Because this is where he's going when we get to verse 4 and 5, when he repeats overcoming three times. The third element of overcoming is this, that we obey God. That's simple. We obey the Lord. We understand Calvary. We've been born again. We're trusting in Christ. And we love him so much that we just say, Lord, I want to obey you. Man, that takes discipleship. That takes focus. That, that takes taking it by the reins and pressing into the things of the Lord. But it starts with a desire to trust him, to, not to trust, you've already trusted him, but to obey him. And then you enter into discipleship and you obey the Lord. You know, loving God and, and obeying God, they go together. They go together. Obedience, your obedience is the measuring rod of your faith. How great is your faith? How strong is your faith? Measure it by, by how great your obedience is. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. And notice what he says in verse 3. I love this. It's almost as if he knows what the human mind's going to think. He knows what the audience that's listening is going to respond. Like, oh, no, not God's laws again. You know, before I, before I came to Christ, man, I, I looked at God's law as a wet blanket. It was a wet blanket meant to ruin my party. That was one of the reasons that kept me from coming to Christ in the early years. It was, I was like, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. Well, I don't want, I don't want to do that. But that was my ignorance. That, that was my ignorance. But he says here in verse 3, in his commandments, he makes a statement, and his commandments are not burdensome. Before, again, before I got saved, I looked at God's commandments as a wet blanket meant to ruin my fun. But again, that was my ignorance. There is great blessing, my friend, in keeping God's commandments. There is great blessing in keeping the word of the Lord. Once we trust in Christ, once we believe in him, the blessing that comes from keeping his commandments is one, he teaches us how to live a godly life. That's why we study the Bible. Because we love Jesus and we want to pursue him and we want to pattern our life following him and living a godly life. Um, keeping his commandments brings wisdom. What is wisdom? What does that word wisdom mean? That word wisdom means the art of skillful living. You want to live skillfully? You want to live sharp? You want to be the very best in life? You want to be successful and do great things and, and use wisdom and use knowledge? Learn the scriptures. Learn the word of God. And let what you learn in the scriptures be applied to your life and walk in wisdom. That's what happens when we keep his commandments is we walk in wisdom for every day living. It's not just about salvation. It's not just about eternity, but it's about how we live this life in the here and now for his honor and for his glory. Thirdly, when we keep God's commandments, and he's saying here his commandments are not unburdensome, is, is, is it saves us from the devastating consequences 
of sin. There's so many times in life where I have blown it. I have sinned against God, and I knew beforehand that I shouldn't do it. Why? Because the Scripture teaches it. And if I would have just listened to God, it would have saved me from the heartache of sin. The most important thing you can do in, this, in your life is what we're doing right now, is looking at the scriptures, learning from them, and growing in these areas, growing in these areas of, of wisdom, running from sin, and learning how to live a godly life. Verse four, verse four, two more verses, verse four and verse five. Um, here it is. Verse 4, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. And what is the victory that has overcome the world? What does verse 4 say? Our faith. Our faith. The fourth element in, over, in being an overcomer in this life and, and rising above the situations, rising above the circumstances, rising above the snakes and the deers, and the dead coyotes, and the sin, and all the other stuff in life, is your faith has to be grounded in the truth. And you got to know what to do and what to believe. And that truth is found in Scripture. The Scripture is the truth of God's Word. The Scripture, the Holy Bible, is, is, is the only absolute truth. Everything else in life changes. So the fourth element of overcoming is your faith has to be grounded in the truth of God's word because that's the only truth that doesn't change. Man's word uh, changes, philosophies change, cultures change, but the scriptures, scriptures never change. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, it will never pass away. I want to read to you, I'm going to give you a couple of verses on this on this thought of truth and our faith and our faith being grounded in the truth and the truth does not change, okay? Remember that. The truth does not change. Whatever is true is true and it will always be true, okay? My, my, my life verse, my favorite verse in all the Bible is, is when I'll start with 2 Corinthians 13, 8. The most philosophical statement in all of the Bible he says, for we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth, okay? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, whether people accept that or not, okay? It doesn't change. Just because someone uh, refuses to believe, that does not mean that he's not the way, the truth, the life. He is the way, the truth, the life, and nothing can be done against that truth. It's empirical, it, it, it upholds the universe. It's the truth. It's the bedrock of our faith that Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will never change. That's why our faith can be grounded in the truth of the Bible, okay? When you get a hold of this, you will overcome, okay? When you get a hold of this and you take it to heart, you will overcome. Postmodernists and progressives, they hate these verses. They want Christianity to be subjective. They want to insert their feelings. They want to insert their opinions. They want, it to, they want to mold it and gel it to, to their liking. But we don't do that. We don't do that to God or his word. 
We change ourselves. We, we change our beliefs, our philosophies to adjust to the word of God. And we believe what the scripture says. Listen to Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 4, where the apostle says, What then? If some do not believe, will their unbelief not nullify the faithfulness of God? So if some people don't believe, will, will that just nullify everything about the Bible? Will that nullify about everything about God? Look at what he says in verse 4. May it never be. Rather, let God be true and every man be found a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. What he's saying here is God is absolute truth. The Bible is absolute truth. It is the anchor of our civilization. It is the anchor of our faith. And when we anchor our faith in the truth of the word of God, it causes us to overcome. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is the truth of who God is. Okay? It's the truth of who God is. We can accept it or reject it. We can embrace it or walk away. But it is the truth of who the Lord is. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How do we overcome? By standing firm on the scriptures and growing in it. And um, I was talking with some football players this week. And I was talking to them about, you know, what Christianity is. And Christianity is about loving God. It's about knowing who God is and loving him. Loving him and holding firm to his truth. And when you do that, it will help you in your attempt, in, in your successful attempt to overcome this world, sin, and the devil. Verse 5, our final verse this morning, says, Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. If you study all of John's epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, there's one unifying theme that John is um, bringing in. He's bringing all of his audiences and all of his books to one central point, and that's not to the church, not to the preacher, not to some movement, but he's bringing all of them to the one point of who Jesus is. And he's, he's wanting you to capture who the Lord Jesus Christ is and, and to love him and to trust him and to obey him. And he says, who is the one who overcomes this world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. What does it mean to believe? Uh, I like the illustration of salvation is like a coin. It has two sides. Side one is repentance and faith. The first side, repentance, says you say, God, I am sorry for my sin. Please forgive me for breaking your laws. Please forgive me for all my lying, my lusting, my adultery, dishonoring my parents, and all the times I broke your moral law. Please forgive me. I ask you, to, I confess it to you. That's repentance. And the other side of that coin is faith, where you say, I turn from my sin, and I put my trust in Jesus. That is what it means to believe that Jesus that you believe that Jesus died on the cross, not, not just for the sins of the world, but he died on the cross for your sin, your sin, your rebellion. That's what it means to believe in Christ. 
And it doesn't stop there. Because the, the, the death is awesome and magnificent that he's given, us a, he's given a way to forgive us. But it doesn't stop there. Not only do we believe that he died on the cross, but we believe he rose from the grave. He, he was dead on that third day. And early on that Sunday morning, the father reached down to planet earth and into this solar system. And he reached down and he raised his son, the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead. And by Jesus' resurrection, it proves that one, there is eternal life, that there is life beyond the grave, okay? And two, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, it validates everything the Bible says. That is the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle of Christianity, is Jesus' death and his resurrection. And we overcome, and we accept everything the scripture says about Christ. We believe in his virgin birth, his sinless perfect life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and one day, his return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 15 through 18, where it describes the rapture of the church. But you will, family, I want to encourage you this morning, my audience here this morning at Calvary Chapel Irmo, you will overcome if you trust Christ, obey Christ, and follow Christ. It's, 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 that, it's that plain. It's not complicated. It's not rocket scientists. You don't have to go get a, Bible, a, a degree to figure these things out. Just simply put your trust in Christ. Jesus said in John 16, these things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. In this life, you will face things like Emily faced on that hunting trip. You will face obstacles in life. Things behind you, things at your feet, things present. There's probably some areas, there's probably some things right now in your life that you're facing that they seem like they're huge obstacles. Maybe things are not going right in your life, in your family, in your marriage, in your work, whatever. But you can face those obstacles with Christ. Maybe there's things far off in the distance that are coming your way, and you know they're coming your way. Remember, trust Christ, obey Christ, follow Christ, and he will be with you in the fire, and he will help you overcome each and every obstacle you face in this life because he is with us. And we will have tribulation, okay? You know, when you, if you, if, when you come to Christ, it doesn't make everything all of a sudden just beautiful and life is good and all problems and obstacles go away in life. No, as a matter of fact, when you become a Christian, I think obstacles and difficulties increase in life. And so, but with Christ, we can overcome them. I want to close with two things. I want, first, I want to close with Romans chapter 8. And then I, I, want to get, I want to summarize my four principles four ways you overcome from first john but romans chapter 8 verse 35 through 39 one of my favorite passages uh the apostle says who shall separate us from the love of christ he's asking a question there who shall separate us and paul is, is asking a question like he's almost mocking because he because he knows in the back of his mind that nothing will separate us but he wants the christian he wants the believer to think what can separate you from god what can separate you from the love of the Father, from the love of Christ? What? He, and he goes on to give some examples. Shall tribulation 
or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep to the slaughter. What, what Paul is saying there is, what's the worst the world can do to us? Kill us? Then we're going to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They, there's nothing the world can do to us, family. There's nothing the world can do to us to separate us from the love of Christ. But yet, look at what he says in verse 37. And this is where I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it back around to, to overcoming. Yet in all these things, we are what? More than conquerors. The Greek is hypernikeo. That same word that's used for uh, conqueror is the same word this uh, used here, the same Greek word. And hypernikeo, excuse me, I pronounced it wrong. Hypernikeo. And it means to, to gain surpassing victory. To conquer is what it means. In this life, we can conquer, we can overcome because we're followers of Christ. And he says, in verse 37, through him who loved us. For I am persuaded, here it is, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate the believer from overcoming in this world. Why? Because we are hoopernikeos. We are more than conquerors. Four ways. Four ways from 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. The, the four ways that we, you and I can overcome. I want to give you the four bullets that I pulled from these five verses that you can go home and meditate on. The first one is you overcome by faith in Jesus. Okay? Apart from faith, there is no overcoming. We're left to our own devices. We're left to our own will, and, and, it, and it never works. But through Christ, you can, because the Bible says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can overcome. Number two, you overcome by loving the body of Christ. Man, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We love our church. We want to be known as a church that loves people, that cares for people. We don't compromise on God's standard. We don't compromise on calling out sin but we do it in a loving manner and we love each other deeply and intimately because we need that fellowship. We need that love that helps us overcome. Number three, you overcome by obeying God, by just simply doing what the word says. And that, that comes through spending time in the word, spending time in prayer and, and, and cultivating your faith, growing in your faith. The more you grow in your faith, the more that you'll obey the Lord. And number four, which is the one we talked about, talking about absolute truth, is uh, you overcome by your faith being grounded in the truth of Scripture. Let this be your sure foundation. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. When Jesus made that statement, he's basically saying the universe will crumble before one jot or diddle of the Scriptures is broken. Okay? It's sure it's a firm, the Bible is a firm foundation for your life. It's a firm foundation for your life. Uh, well, first of all, it's a firm foundation for your salvation, for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your work. It is the firm foundation. And I believe, I, I believe it's that simple, family, that when we do these things, we will overcome 
in life. Amen? So let's, let's pray for that. I'm, I'm, that's what I'm praying for you this morning. That's the takeaway from Calvary Chapel Irmo, is that we learn to be overcomers in this life. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Lord, help us to grow in these areas. Help us to take hold. Help us to believe in you with all of our hearts and everything that your, your word says, that who you are, that this is who you are, the son of the living God, the Alpha and Omega, the way, the truth, the life, the eternal God. We love you, Lord Jesus. Lord, help us to love and obey. Excuse me, help us to love the body of Christ. Help us to um, demonstrate our love for one another. Lord, help us to obey you, Father. Help us to seek your approval in this life and obey your word. Father, help us to um, keep our faith grounded in the truth of Scripture. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for worship today, Lord. Father, send us home with nuggets of truth. Remind us of these things, Holy Spirit, and help your people to go back and search the word and meditate on them. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray, Father. Amen.